Uh, my name is Emmanuel, and my family has had the privilege of being a part of Providence over the several past few weeks. Uh, my two littles are crazy. Uh, they're somewhat shy, but once they get comfortable, look out. It's, it's nuts. So it's been a joy, a beautiful thing for us to be a part of Providence, to worship, uh, and to get to know some of you guys uh, slowly. Uh, we're continuing our series called The Jesus Way. The Jesus Way. And we are reminded from Hunter who started the series by telling us that the truth of Jesus without the way of Jesus does not lead to the life of Jesus. We can have truths about who God is and who Jesus is, but if we don't live that way, if we don't practice it, we will not be known as people who are Christ followers. After that, we uh, dove into, Pastor Josh reminded us of why we, we give financially. Michael reminded us uh, uh, that giving is not just financial, but also relationally, that we are to give in that way. We then shifted and began focusing on prayer. And Joseph led us through the idea of a corporate prayer, praying together. And last week, Josh uh, brought us back to contemplative prayer as he led us through the Lord's prayer. And today we're going to continue the series and talk about prayer some more in what is known as contending prayer. And contending prayer is also defined as intercessory prayer. And it's the idea of praying on behalf of someone to, to the Lord, saying, Lord, this person uh, is going through this. I am praying on their behalf to you. Amen. You're stepping in almost like a priest, representative. Lord, I, I know them. And so, Lord, hear their request. And we'll dive in that today. And, and there are lots of ways to, to consider intercessory prayer. But in our text today, there's a passage of what I would say contending prayer that we don't think of as contending prayer. And we see it in our text this morning. Let me read it again. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. And we are reminded, For if you forgive others of their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But... If you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive you of your offenses. I was a part of a church plant with my wife several years ago. Uh, we joined, and we were super excited about it, what they were doing, the mission, and, and so forth. Very similar to what's happening here at Providence. About a year into the church plant, the, the lead guy, the lead pastor, uh, did something immoral. What happened was someone else stepped in, an interim pastor, for a period of time. But that interim pastor and I began to butt heads. His philosophy wasn't matched up with the philosophy that we had started the church with. What began to happen was uh, because we were in a diverse area, because we wanted to be diverse culturally and ethnically, uh, they began to, to use me, my skin color, without my voice. To make it worse, about six months after the event with the lead pastor, they brought him back and they cut my salary. And eventually my wife and I left. And when we left, it was more like, okay, cool, best of luck. We were hurt. We gave time, energy towards this community. We sacrificed. And we were treated like secondary lower class citizens. Best of luck. And so when we left, man, I was upset, frustrated. And what I wanted was vendetta. I wanted payback for being betrayed, belittled, 
being wronged along with my wife. Have you been there? Right? Someone does you or someone that you care about wrong. Someone betrays you, insults you, belittles you. And in your anger and your frustration, you want payback. In our text today, the Lord continues the theme of the Lord's Prayer. And he picks a certain section from that prayer that I always say is extremely difficult for us to practice. You know, it's easy for me to worship the Lord and talk about how amazing, how incredible God is. It is easy for me to ask God for stuff. It's easy for me to say, Lord, I've wronged you. Please forgive me. It's easy for me to say, Lord, uh, save me, deliver me from the evil one in temptation. But it's extremely difficult for me to say, Lord, I'll forgive that person. Extremely hard and nearly impossible at times. But Jesus in this text tells us if we don't forgive other people, our Heavenly Father cannot and will not forgive us. Here's why. Forgiven people forgive, while unforgiven people don't forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And those who are not forgiven or realize they're not forgiven will not forgive other people. Being here at Providence, I've noticed that our goal, our dream, is to be a counterculture community, a Jesus community. And as such, we must be people who forgive. Because forgiveness is important. Now, what I want to do is I want to give us three reasons from the text uh, or from Scripture in general as to why forgiveness is important. As to why we should be people who forgive other people. First reason, why is forgiveness important? When we forgive others, it means we grasp We understand how much the Lord has forgiven us. Last week, Pastor Josh kind of stole my thunder and added a little story about the unmerciful forgiving servant. There's a man who owed his master so much money, the master forgave him, but he wouldn't forgive someone who owed him a lot less. But I want to focus on a different story this morning. In 1 Samuel, we meet a guy named David. He's anointed as king. He's a shepherd over his father's flock, and he eventually goes off and defeats this great warrior called Goliath, becomes a national hero. And shortly after, he's on the run because King Saul gets jealous and decides to, uh, wants to kill him, and so David's on the run for his life. He eventually gathers a band of about 600 soldiers or men to be a part of his posse, you might say. In 1 Samuel 25, David goes to a guy named Nabal. And he asks Nabal, hey, Nabal, hey, when your people were taking care of of their flocks, my men, we didn't steal from them. We could have, but we didn't. We even protected them. So Nabal, right now, I need help. Could you provide us some food? Nabal, whose name means foolish, says, nah, who are you? We're told in 1 Samuel 25, that David told his soldiers the following. Let me just read it for us. He said, all of you, put on your swords. So each man put on their sword, and David also 
put on his sword. About 400 men follow David. He's going to slaughter a person. This person's done him wrong, injustice, and David's angry. What's interesting in verse 13, we're told the men put on their swords, but so did David. Right? In Scripture, when something is mentioned in Scripture, it's not there just to waste space. It's there for a particular reason. It says David put on his sword. Well, what's David's sword? Back up a few chapters, David at some point went to the priest who had the sword that David took from Goliath. That's David's sword. So the sword reminds David, hey, David, when you were younger, you fought a great warrior, and guess who delivered you? The Lord. He saved you from your enemy. Don't forget that, David. So before you go and avenge someone, remember that God has saved you. Before we go and wrong someone for wronging us, let's remember how God has forgiven us. If we truly understand how God has forgiven us, we will extend that forgiveness to other people who have wronged us. But if we do not understand that, we're still living in our sin. Why do we forgive? Because God has forgiven us. And he has saved us from so many things. Second reason why we should forgive. When we forgive other people, we reflect our Father. We're mimicking our Father. In Matthew 5, verses uh, 20 or 43 to 48, uh, Jesus continues the sermon on the mountain, or mount, and he essentially says, hey, love your enemies. And you can only love your enemy if you forgive them how they've wronged you. And towards the end, in verse 48, Jesus says this, and be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be telos. Now, scholars have written books and, and so forth about what's it mean to be perfect like God because only God is perfect. Well, what, what does Jesus mean here, right? But if we go to Luke chapter 6, in the same context, Jesus ends that same section of loving your enemy by saying, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Gregory Nyssa, church father, says, we reflect God when we are merciful, compassionate, and forgiving. You are perfect like God is when you are forgiving, extending mercy to other people. If we want to live as God's image, if we want to be people who are known as Christ's followers, we must reflect our Father by forgiving those who have wronged us. The word grace is the idea of gift in Greek. When we forgive someone else, we're offering them a gift that they may not deserve because we have received the same gift from our Father. We're continuing. We are doing what our Father does. Second reason, why should we forgive? Because when we do so, we are reflecting our Father who, are, who is in heaven. Third reason, why should we forgive other people? In forgiving other people, we're contending, we're interceding on their behalf. Several centuries before Christ was born, 
there are seven sons and their mothers, Jewish, uh, who were um, arrested for standing against their oppressors. And as they're dying, it's recorded that they began to spew curses against the people persecuting them. What they're saying was, hey, you're attacking us now. You are oppressing us now. But wait until our God shows up. Because when he shows up, you're going to get it. And they began to describe the kind of torturing that they would receive from the Lord. Years passed. God showed up. And instead of um, attacking his enemies and torturing them, he died for them. And, and as he is dying, one of the things that he says is this, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Interceding on their behalf. In Acts 7, the, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, or Stephan, depending on how you want to say his name, as he's dying, he says, Lord, do not hold this against them. The same prayer that Jesus prayed. I'm forgiving them, Father. And that prayer became a model for Christian martyrs since then. As they were being beaten to death, uh, being thrown into uh, cages with, with, with lions, as, as they're being burned on fire, instead of spewing curses towards their enemies, they are saying, God, forgive them. They're contending for them, saying, Lord, they've wronged me. They've wronged you. I'm standing here saying, God, forgive them. And in so doing, they are reflecting Jesus, who constantly intercedes for you and I to our Father. When we wrong him daily, he's saying, Father, I know what they've done is wrong, but let me remind you, I paid for their sins a long ago, so don't hold it against them. That's what our Father is doing on our behalf. And so when we forgive other people, we're joining Christ, our brother, interceding for those around us. Forgiveness is a form of contending, of, of interceding for our brothers and sisters who wrong us. In this series, our theme is this. The, the truth of Jesus without the way of Jesus does not lead to the life of Jesus. And catch this, when we forgive other people, we are living the life of Jesus. When I forgive those who wrong me, who belittle me, who backstab me, I am living the life of Jesus by interceding on their behalf. Now, let's be mindful of this. Forgiveness does not always lead to reconciliation, right? If I had a good friend who, who wronged me and did me wrong, I'm told as a Christ follower to forgive him, to forgive her, but it might not mean that we will be best friends again. But by forgiving him, I'm saying, hey, bro, your attack against me, I don't hold it against you anymore. I am releasing the frustration. I am releasing the poison that I held within myself against you. I mean, you guys heard, heard the idea about forgiveness, right? Like our unforgiveness. When I don't forgive somebody else, it's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. 
But by forgiving them, I'm letting go of the bitterness, the resentment that I hold or can hold for wronging someone else. Let me come to our neighborhood. How then do we practice forgiveness, especially when we do not want to forgive? How can we forgive those across the political aisle? Those in our lives who have done us wrong. Those who uh, are just terrible people, how can we forgive them? I must be a Baptist because I love threes. <laughs> but here are three quick ways of forgiveness. One, let's ask the Lord to remind us of how much he's forgiven us. Right? The one who's forgiven much will also forgive much. Say, Lord, show me how much you've forgiven me. How infinitely, debt I owed you, I could not pay you, you forgave me of that debt. Remind me of that, Lord. I would also say with that, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Sometimes we acknowledge how God has forgiven us, but we sometimes don't think about forgiving ourselves against him and against other people. How do we practice forgiveness? Number two, ask the Lord to help us to see other people as he sees them. Lord, help me see other people as you see them. It's so easy for, for me to think when someone wrongs me, they're the villain. They're the bad guy. They're, they're Thanos, the Wicked Witch of the West. They're Scar from the Lion King. It's not always the case. They may wrong me, but it does not mean that they're bad people. Which then means, Lord, help me to see them as you see them, as those that you care about. That does not mean, though, you belittle what they've done against you. You remove what they've, how they've wronged you. You minimize. It does not mean that. But it does mean, Lord, let me see them as you see them. Number three. We forgive. We forgive. It's not easy to forgive. And a small step such as writing a note, a letter, listing what they've done wrong against you, how they hurt you, offended you, again, without minimizing what they did wrong. And maybe writing about how you don't want to forgive them. And then you do forgive them. Lord, help me see them as you see them. Help me realize how you've forgiven me. And so that I can forgive them of what they've done against me. You know, I stand here not as an expert on forgiveness. I mentioned a second ago, being part of a church plant that, that wronged my wife and I. The frustration, the, the anger that I held for so many years. And I knew that if, if I saw the guy at the store or at a conference, I would ignore him as if it never existed. I, I knew that. That was what I wanted to do. But the Lord in his grace and sometimes humor, about two weeks ago, as I'm preparing to think about this message, I'm lying in bed, 
says, hey, you're about to preach on forgiveness, and yet you have not forgiven someone else for four to five years. I was like, oh, God, why? Why? I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow came. I'll do it tomorrow. And on and on it went. And finally, my wife and I, uh, earlier this week, we were talking about just past events. And she brought it up. Just the event. And the reminder came to me, hey, I'm about to preach about this in six days. Have you forgiven him? So I did the uncomfortable thing. I got his number from someone else because, I, again, I deleted his number. I didn't want to talk to him. Right? I got him off of Facebook. We weren't Facebook friends anymore, okay? I got rid of I found, I found his number. I couldn't even call him. That was that hurt still. But I texted him. Hey, this is, who, this is Emmanuel. How are you doing? How's family? But small talk. And before I even offered my forgiveness to them, he began saying, hey, bro, so many years ago, I, I did you wrong. Before I even forgave him. And I said, hey, bro, thank you for admitting that. Here's why I'm texting you. That's not easy to do. But in so doing, I'm saying, Lord, the, the wrongness that, that he did towards me, maybe towards you as well, I'm letting it go. I'm releasing it. Now, you may say, well, E, you're a pastor, you're a preacher, right? So you are supposed to forgive. For us common folks, just kidding, right, it's hard for us to forgive. Let me show us a quick four-minute uh, video if that's up and ready to go. It's not ready to go. Okay, cool. Um, so several years ago in Dallas-Fort Worth, where uh, I grew up more towards Dallas, um, there was a, a young man, uh, probably in his late 20s, early 30s, who's a lawyer, uh, and a deacon at his church. His name was Botham. On a Friday night, he's sitting in his apartment in shorts, watching TV, eating ice cream. All of a sudden, his door opens up, and there's a white female cop officer pointing a gun towards him, cussing him out, and asking him, Why are you in my apartment? He begins to panic, and next thing you know, he knows, he's dead. I'm assuming in the presence of the Lord. That day, around 4 o'clock, Abby, an officer, white lady, experienced hardship at work. A tough day as an officer. Goes home late, exhausted. It's a Friday night. Parks her car, goes upstairs to her apartment. The door is unlocked. She panics, pulls out a gun, opens the door. There's an African-American man on her couch, eating her ice cream, watching her TV in shorts. She asks him, what are you doing in my house, my apartment? He panics. And she ends his life. Come to find out, the apartment was his. It just looked, and she wasn't thinking straight, like her place. Frustration across the black community in Dallas. Innocent man. Wasn't doing anything wrong. 
in his own apartments, a deacon at his church, a, a lawyer, works for the government itself, is killed. People are upset. At the trial, Botham's younger brother, Gene, took the stand. For about four minutes, began to say the following. Abby, I don't want you to go to jail. I forgive you for what you've done towards our family. You took a lot from us. I forgive you. I, I, I love you. I want you to know that Christ loves you. And I don't want you to go to jail. He eventually got up and went and gave her a hug as the two of them sobbed, sobbed and cried together in the court hearing. And guess how old he was? 17 years old. When I watch that video every single time, I think, what would Jesus do, WWJD, in this time? He would do that. His relative is killed by his enemy. Injustice happens. It's painful and it's frustrating. He would forgive. He would forgive. When we forgive, we live the life of Christ as we follow in his footsteps. Let's close our eyes as the worship team comes back up. Before I pray, I want to remind us, if the message has impacted you or you want someone to pray for you or to help you follow the Lord, uh, after the benediction, please come on up here. Someone from the prayer team would love to pray with you and for you. Let us pray. Lord God, we have wronged you to a crazy degree. We've wronged each other. And God, it's so easy for us to hold to resentment and frustration for how we've been wrong, how we've been hurt, offended. But Lord, we are reminded over and over again how much you have forgiven us, how the impossible debt that we could not pay, Lord, you removed, you released that, Lord. You set us free from that. And by your Holy Spirit, Lord, may you empower us to realize that. May you empower us to be those who forgive other people, who intercede on their behalf, not because it's easy, but Lord, it is the way of Jesus. Lord, some of us in the room have wronged somebody for wronging us. Lord, forgive us. Well, some, some of us in here, Lord, have resentment and bitterness and frustration towards an individual or a group of people. Lord, help us to forgive, to let go of the anger that we hold. And in so doing, are following you. All this for your renown. Amen.